Hello, friends. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. We're your hosts. I'm Christina. And I'm Maddie. And this is Murders and Martinis. Do-do-do-do. So how are you tonight, my friend? What's going on? Doing good, you know? Got it back in the swing of uh, working. Yeah, new job. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. Well, last time I think we spoke that I was going to be starting. starting. Yeah, well, I started, bitch, okay? And guess what? <laughs> I feel it. it. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> I am so fucking tired, but it's going good, you know? Thriving, so it's good. Yep, thriving. Thri- surviving. Surviving, surviving is, a is a good word for it, yeah. but... Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Doing good, though. How about you, friend? I'm tired. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> it's a surprise. Surprise, surprise. Um, no, I finished my stash. I finished it. Well, when we... Yeah, you did. While we're filming, I finished it yesterday. And it ended on a snow day. <laughs> so I didn't actually work yesterday. Yeah. Um, kind of sad. I know. It's kind of sad. I didn't get to say bye to some of my students because I did promise them i would be there on friday so but i'll come mm. in and i'll surprise them next week i think because i have to that would be nice give some gifts and get some papers signed yeah um while i loved it i'm happy it's over I'm happy it's <laughs> over i'm like was really tired near the end like yeah. it really kicked my ass so and now teachers, you only have I, one to go i have one left and then that's it that's crazy isn't that weird very I just don't know. It's exciting. But it is, but it's at the same time, I'm like, almost surreal. Like, Maddie's going to be done. She's going to be a full fucking teacher. Maddie's going to be a teacher. Watch out, kids. I've don't. heard she's mean. <laughs> I'm not the, not the nicest. <laughs> just kidding. You know what? You don't handle, you don't take people's shit. That's what I love about you. No, and I've spoken to quite a few of my teacher friends about it. Most kids, I just think with like the age of like, social media and whatever i think they're a lot older than they are i think they're a lot mm. funnier Ugh. than they are you're not you're not <laughs> and i'm gonna probably tell you yeah you're not obviously i'm not gonna tell a, an eight-year-old that they're not <laughs> you're being an asshole you're being a dick um but i think the new wave of teachers quite a few of them i've had some of my mentors tell me that they find it really funny that the new wave of teachers give the, back the attitude the students give them so the students like don't know how to handle it yeah so they're like what are you doing i'm like i'm doing my job what are you doing they go oh yeah they don't expect you to like talk back talk sassy. and i'm like i was you when i was a student i was a shit so Mm -hmm. i know how to handle you yeah you're barking up the wrong tree yeah not gonna work today bitch no so yeah i'm i'm excited but i'm ready to sleep this weekend yeah i wish i could say that the next three weeks i have off i don't i'm working mm-hmm. subbing and then oh i do have march break though that's fun i do because all the schools coincidentally at the same time all have the same march break this year for like the first time in like years so that's true or at least in my area like the two school boards i work mm. for both have march break at the same time so i will sleep well good for you yeah, yeah. i will sleep so it's, is it the first week of march no it's like the second week it starts oh. march 6th interesting okay to march or march yeah march 6th to march 10th interesting it's okay. weird this year like last year was the last week of february what last year oh march break thought you meant okay sorry i missed that i was like wait we're still I in saw february your face. i was like what did i say wrong <laughs> where's her brain going to? i literally was panicked i'm like are we march right now no <laughs> last year yeah um so yeah 
we're good. We're both surviving. Yeah. And I think we're here. We're just needing to get through what we're going through. I think I just need to get through, you know, it's always hard with a new like schedule and like getting Absolutely. on a routine. Yeah. So I feel like what they say, like 21 days, so three weeks. Mm-hmm. So like this is my third week. I feel like after this week, it'll be good. And then I have to start at like one hour earlier. So I'll get bad. back to you on how that's going to go. Yeah, I think you'll be fine. I like I waking up like two it. hours before I have to start because then I, like, I can have my coffee. I can watch like an episode of something, shower, and not wake up in a panic and like shuffle around and whatever. Yeah. But I have a feeling when I first start at eight, that's going to happen. I'm going to wake up at like 730. See, I wish, but my dog needs to be walked before I go to work. I have to physically go to work. Yeah, you do. I have to look a little bit presentable because then the students will tell me I look homeless, Mm -hmm. which has happened. Yeah. Thank you for that. (laughs) And so I'm up at like 5.15 every day. Big yikes. That's that's disgusting. Big yikes. But say lovey. Yeah. You're almost done. Hang in there. Well, it'll be 5.15 for the rest of my life, but you know. But you have three months off. Yeah. Eh. Enjoy while you can. I try my best. Yeah. For the... Also, that was very dramatic. It's like the next like 35 years. 40. Let's see if I make it that long. Honestly. (laughs) Burnout? What? (laughs) My entire TikTok feed actually is either teacher tips or teachers who burnt out and decided to go like change their job. And I'm like, I'm not even one yet. Like this is not making me feel very hopeful. Like when I complain about being tired, my parents are like... You're only on year one. Imagine yeah, like, 35 years. I'm like, shut up. I'm I like, don't why would you tell it. me that? That's not encouraging. No. <laughs> Anyways, on a completely different topic, something to maybe wake us the fuck up. Mm. What are we drinking tonight, friend? Yes. Yeah, so we completely forgot to do a special drink for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Which, while we're filming, has already passed. Mm-hmm. So definitely the episode that came out has already come out for Valentine's yeah. Day. Um, so we're going to do it now. Yeah. Why not? It's still February. It's still February. Uh, when this comes out, it'll also still be February. So it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's called a love martini. Mm, a little love in mm. the air. It's bow chicka wow bow chicka wow wow. It's a little bit more complicated. Mm. Not how to make it. All martinis go into like the little shaker. Mm-hmm. Most of them anyways. Um, but it's got a lot more ingredients. So it has Malibu rum, uh, peach schnapps, vodka, cranberry juice. And then you kind of shake that up all together. Uh, put the rim, like sugar the rim. Mm-hmm. Add a wedge of lime and then two strawberries on the rim for garnish. Yeah. So it's very sweet, which is right up Chris's alley. Yes. I'm not a huge fan of Malibu rum. Mm-hmm. It just brings me back to teenage drinking. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's really subtle. Like, you yeah. really don't taste it in this. So No. We also love peach schnapps, so oh, yes, I think that helps fan. a lot. Big fan of the peach. You can, like, heavy pour on certain things and then, mm-hmm. like, not include yeah. the Malibu rum at all if you don't want to. So no. a lot of, lot of alcohol in this. But that's how we do it here. So that's how we roll. Uh, but it's very good, and it looks so pretty. Yeah, it does look really cute, actually. It's very Very red. fitting. Yeah. yeah. Very red, very love is in the air vibe. Yeah. Like so. I said, bow chicka wow wow. Cheers. Cheers, friend. Before we begin, I will just give you the sources that I have for today's episode. 
um, a medium article, which is my favorite by Jesse London, Wikipedia, obviously a Teddy feed article by Jessica Miller, uh, and an ABC article by Oriana Bravo, Denise Martinez, Ramundo, Mark Dorian, and Rachel Wenslaff. Wow. A lot of authors on that mm-hmm. one. Um, so those are the sources that I used because this episode is, I have no words actually. It, oh. No words can accurately describe how crazy this episode is. Well, good thing we have a strong drink. We do have a very strong drink, so... Yeah, I don't even know where, like, to begin with this case tonight. It's horrifying. It's, I mean, bone-chilling. It's a lot. And I was explaining to Chris before that I had a completely different case to do for tonight's episode. And I was doing my little scroll through my little TikTok. And I came across this video about this case. And it tore my heart open. So I immediately obviously went to find out like more information about the case. And I just, I, it went so, so much deeper than that video. And I just knew that I had to mm. cover it, cover it for tonight. But before we get into it, grab a drink and take a seat and let's get, get into, into it. it. So I have, it's a little bit weird how I'm going to tell this story tonight because like I said, it, it has so much Mm. but it does start off with a bit of a survival story oh shit yeah which we've not really no we've never done done. no i think so i do have a few in my back pocket that i'm waiting to do (laughs) but um it's still horrifying Mm. and awful uh but anyway so So you're kind of saying the survival story and then what happened and then also everything else that happens oh shit okay i'm ready so listen up uh, so our case tonight begins on New Year's Eve, 1999. Oh, so big year. Going mm-hmm. right into the millennium, new yeah. millennium. Uh, the Searles family, I believe is how you pronounce it, was in the process of moving, actually, and was wrapping up some stuff with the new place. But their two daughters, uh, Crystal and Marquis, I think it's Marquis. I really apologize. I did look it up, and I believe that's how you say it. How do you spell it? M-A-R-Q-U-E. Oh, I think so. Oh, what a nice name. Yeah, Marky. I thought that was nice. Um, They decided to leave their daughters with their really close friends um, while they kind of wrapped up all their stuff in the new Mm -hmm. town, I guess. So 10-year-old Crystal and her 7-year-old sister Marky were staying with Crystal's best friend, which was 13-year-old Katie Harris and her family. Like I said, while Crystal's parents were out of town. The entire household had celebrated together for the new year, you know, big like i said big year the millennium um and just after midnight struck the family kind of settled in for the night they watched the equivalent i guess of what the ball dropped if they watched the ball drop i don't know Mm -hmm. and then went to bed okay crystal markey had actually argued about who got to sleep in the bunk beds oh okay and who was banished to the sleep alone in the spare room (laughs) very typical sibling arguments i cannot tell you how many times my brother and i as kids fought about sleeping arrangements like while we were on family vacations Mm -hmm. or friends houses like yeah did i typically win because i'm older yes yeah and i'm bossy but whatever yeah so crystal obviously didn't want her sister invading on her fun sleepover with her best friend because it's Mm -hmm. her best friend's family yeah but Marquis Seven 
and she wants to stay with them. Mm -hmm. So in the end, but Marky actually did end up sleeping in the spare room alone while Crystal got to sleep in the bunk beds with Katie. The decision would ultimately save Marky's life. Oh, shoot. So right as the girls were falling asleep, closing time had hit the local bar in the area and a dangerous drifter started to prowl the streets. This man's name was Tommy Lynn Sells. Okay. For those of you who recognize that name, you'll know how crazy this story gets. Okay. Those of you who don't, buckle in. <laughs> but it's not the same last name as the girl? Searles. And Sells. Sells. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, that's confusing. Yeah. Okay. I know. I'll typically stick to their first name. Okay. And I usually use his full name mm-hmm. in this case, so... So Tommy Lynn Sells was born in Oakland, California on June 28th, 1964 to an unmarried mother, which we, which we know, excuse me, is not an issue. But back no. in the 60s, a mm-hmm. little bit of a no-no. Yeah. He was one of five children and the man who we believe to be his biological father, Joe Lovins, died when he was only 11 years old, when Tommy was 11. Mm. He wasn't even part of the picture to begin with anyways. So not a great start. Yeah. Tommy actually had a twin sister, Tammy Jean. So Tommy Lynn and Tammy Jean. Jesus Christ. But she contracted meningitis when they were only 18 months old and she sadly passed away. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shortly after, so when he was still a baby, he was sent to live with his aunt, um, Bonnie Walpole, in Holcomb, Missouri. When he was five, he was actually sent back home to his mother after she found out that his aunt wanted to adopt him. So he'd been with his aunt for years at this mm-hmm. point, and his aunt was like, okay, like, your mom isn't really a part of your life. I'm going to adopt you. And his mom just basically went, no, I'm taking him back now. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. Kind of shitty. Yeah, I'm not thinking about the well-being of the kids here, but mm-hmm. okay. So Tommy started drinking alcohol at a fucking alarmingly early age. He would steal his grandfather's, on his mother's side, uh, his alcohol when he was only seven years old. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because I feel like we started drinking young. We did start drinking young, but like But like not, we were in high school. We were in high school, like at least. Yeah. Seven. Yeah, that's fucking... Like that's, that's like your grade one. Grade, grade two, two. Grade one. Grade Depending two. Depending on... Yeah. Yeah. So... Oh, shit. Not okay. He's not being watched. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way. Clearly, there. yeah. At eight years old, he started to hang around an older man named Willis Clark who allegedly started to molest him with his mother's approval. Allegedly with Mm. his mother's approval, but, but like, Jesus Christ. At 10 years old, he started to use drugs. Three years later, when he was 13, he started to get into some peeping Tom business. Uh, He would go into his grandmother's room while she was asleep, and she slept naked, and he would watch her. Ew the fuck the last time she woke up and obviously freaked the fuck out uh he was banned from the house from that Mm. point on so he was kicked out at 13 which i mean like he was doing inappropriate Mm -hmm. things but he's also 13 yeah he's He's that's still a child yeah not long after he was banned from the house his mother took his siblings and left town without him they essentially abandoned him oh shit a few days later, in a supposed, quote, fit of rage, he shot a woman and assaulted her, but she survived. Oh, my God. God. At 13. How did he get a gun? I don't know. They probably had one. Oh, that's not okay. 
So now age 14 in 1978, he started to fully live his life as like a nomad and embrace the drifter kind of lifestyle. He's been homeless for almost a year at this point. Mm -hmm. He just figured he would embrace the lifestyle. In May 1981, so a few years later, he found and visited his family. They were in Little Rock, Arkansas. Sorry, every time I see Arkansas, I want to say Arkansas. I know. Little Rock, Arkansas, but his mother threw him out like quickly after, after he tried to molest his own mother while she was in the shower. Oh my God, this fucking guy. Uh, like, I mean, I don't blame her. I yeah. <laughs> so after he left, he started to drink even more. Uh, and then he tried, I don't know the whole entire story here, but he tried to seek mental health help mm-hmm. at a center, but they refused him. Could be a number of reasons they didn't have a room, they didn't have the resources, mm-hmm. whatever. But after not getting help, he started to drink even more so than he was before. Okay. This led to his first arrest in 1982 for public intoxication, mm. which just started a snowball of arrests mm-hmm. for the next 20 years. Great. Homeless and clearly mentally unwell, Tommy Lynn Sells hitchhiked and train hopped across the U.S. from 1978 to 1999. So for 21 years. He was committing various crimes along the way, just not being a good person. No, not a great dude. He had several very short manual labor and barber jobs, but nothing steady whatsoever. Uh, He still drank heavily, abused drugs, and was arrested and imprisoned several times. Mm. Uh, In 1990, he actually stole a truck in Wyoming and was sentenced to 16 months in prison. While he was in prison, he was diagnosed with a personality disorder consisting of antisocial, borderline, seven schizoid features, substance use disorder, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, and psychosis. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And then they let him go. Oh. Yeah. So now back to New Year's, 1999. Oh. We're back with the Harris family and little Crystal and Marky Searles. The Harris family had unfortunately left a window open. And Tommy decided that that was his sign. At approximately 3.50 a.m., Tommy snuck inside the home and made his way to the first bedroom. It was the bedroom of Katie Harris, 13-year-old Katie Harris. When he entered Katie's room, he originally only saw Katie lying asleep on the bottom bunk. He didn't see Crystal on the top. So with a knife in his hand, he walked over to her bed, removed her pajamas and underwear, and assaulted her. Or started to. This obviously woke her up immediately. Yeah. So confused and absolutely fucking terrified, she quickly realized that she was in danger yeah and this beautiful and brave little 13 year old baby angel attempted to fight back against her attacker but unfortunately tommy lincells was much stronger much bigger and he was armed with a knife he ended up stabbing her 16 times before he was finished with his attack all the while assaulting her as well yeah and crystal had to hear all of that so crystal who was asleep on the top bunk during most of the ordeal woke up when she heard sounds coming from the bottom bunk she looked down at her best friend's bunk to see a strange man holding a knife to um katie's throat 
Katie was looking right at Crystal. And she basically silently pleaded with her to stay hidden and be quiet in the hope that Tommy wouldn't see her and would just leave. So at this point, again, Tommy has no idea. He's not heard a single peep from Crystal on the top bunk. And he was so fixated on Katie that he seemed to have forgotten that she was sleeping in like a bunk bed. Which, I mean, Mm -hmm. thankfully, unfortunately for Katie. But yeah. However, this didn't last long. Crystal lay as still as she possibly could. She didn't make a single sound and she didn't move a single fucking muscle. Mm -hmm. But as he was leaving the room, he turned around one last time and he locked eyes with Crystal on the top bunk. Mm -hmm. He immediately launched at her and he tried to slash her throat like immediately, but she instinctively like put her hands around her throat to protect herself. He got angry with her and he yelled at her to move her hands and she just out of habit automatically obeyed. And then he slit her throat. Oh, fuck. Okay. So now in pain, bleeding, and just terrified, Crystal knew that the only, because she's still conscious, Mm -hmm. the only way that she would have a chance at surviving was to play dead. So she slumped forward and lay still on the floor and just played dead. Okay. She later said, oh my God, this like makes me want to cry a little bit. I just remember laying there and the light turning off and I heard the door shut. And so I got on my hands and knees and I was crawling across the floor in the bedroom and I came across Katie on the floor. She was kind of making a gasping noise or maybe she was choking because remember he Mm -hmm. had also slit. He had stabbed her 16 times and slit Katie's throat as well. Then she says, but then I was trying to comfort her. I laid next to her. I rubbed her back. And then that's when I realized I couldn't talk because all I wanted to say was everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. But I couldn't. Mm. And then, I mean, as soon as she stopped making those noises, I had this feeling, you know, get out of here, get up, come on, go, don't lay here, go. At 10 years old, she comforted her best friend while she was dying from mm-hmm. this brutal attack and then had the the instinct to go, you got it, you got to move. Yeah. So as fast as she could, I know, like, it's horrifying. So as fast as she could, she ran to her sister's bedroom. Remember, her little sister was sleeping in the spare room down the hall, and she tried to wake up her younger sister. But Crystal couldn't speak or scream because her throat had been slashed. So Marky didn't wake up. Crystal is 10 years old. She's fearing the worst. She thinks that the killer had gone and murdered everyone else in the home as well. Not that nobody's waking up because she can't speak. Mm Mm-hmm. Thinking she's the only survivor, Crystal knew that she had to go get help. So holding her neck, she ran completely barefoot to the neighbor's home, which was a quarter of a mile away. She bashed on the door until someone answered, and to communicate, she wrote notes. So she basically told the neighbors to tell them that the Harris family needed help right away and to call the police. What a smart young girl. Brilliant little girl. I feel like I would not have done that. I I feel like I would have panicked and been like, it is my time. This is it. Yeah. She told them to call the police and to hurry because her best friend had been attacked. Which is so sad. She also asked if she was going to live. She kept asking. Oh, shit. Remember, she can't communicate. So it was just like, she kept writing over and over again. So she was sent, she obviously was brought to the hospital. And after receiving medical aid, doctors found out that Tommy Lincells had sliced Crystal's trachea. The injury was horrific but not fatal thankfully so with time and therapy she would be able to speak again okay that's good 
and obviously she survived. Mm-hmm. So while at the hospital, she also found out that nobody else in the house was attacked. So her sister was okay, and the parents, um, Katie's parents were okay. So the only people who were attacked were her and Katie hmm. in that room, which a lot of investigators lead, were led to believe that maybe Tommy had seen the family out and about at church. Probably. And had fixated on 13-year-old Katie. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense any other No, and he went way. right to her room. Well, from what I'm understanding, I think Katie's room from where the window was might have been one of the first ones, mm-hmm. but a lot of people believe that he, he knew. He could have been stalking the house. He could have been like, stalking the knowing, house. Knowing, like, the routine of the family, too. And Exactly. So he, because, again, he only attacked the two girls, mm-hmm. and he was really only going to attack Katie because he didn't yeah. know Crystal was there. Um, Plus, like, and technically, if, Crystal and her sister, Marky, right? We're not supposed we're to not be supposed there. We're not supposed to be there. Exactly. So, like, if they weren't there... Crystal would not have gone attacked and it would have just no, been Katie. No, it would have just been Katie. And so. he thought he killed them both. Yeah. So it didn't give him a reason to run. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if he was planning on murdering the whole family, he had that opportunity, but yeah. he didn't. Exactly. So mm-hmm. That's I, that Personally, I think he had been stalking the family. Yeah, and he but targeted there are some who Katie. think that it was just, like, opportunity. Which, I mean, it in a sense be. it was. Because yeah. it was the window. But either way, he's an... A horrific yeah human he's being. a disgusting piece of garbage so so from her hospital bed crystal worked with the police and sketch artists to describe the man who had attacked her and who had murdered her friend so a good police sketch can make all the difference in apprehending suspects as we know mm-hmm. but remember crystal was only 10 years old she was half asleep originally and was in the dark the hope that she would have seen enough to get a kind of like an, a vibe of what he looked like was very slim mm-hmm but thankfully, she fucking remembered everything. Of course she, she did. Her, the detail that she gave was incredible. Mm. And her sketch was enough to find Tommy Lynn Sells and arrest him. Not long after he was arrested and charged, the trial began with Crystal as a key witness. So now I'm not going to really spend a lot of time talking about the trial because it was pretty open and shut. Mm-hmm. And it's what we find out after which is where this case gets really wild so i'm gonna spend more time on that okay so at the trial um crystal retold the events of that fateful night in great and graphic detail to the jury which i can only imagine is so heartbreaking Mm -hmm. and that's the tiktok that i had seen was her giving her testimony in court at like i think she was 11 at that point shit which i mean can you imagine no she's telling the jury in the court mm-hmm. what happened not long after she was attacked she's got this big scar on her neck and she's terrified she's sitting in front of the man who killed her best friend and mm-hmm. attacked her she said he had his hand over her mouth katie's mouth and she was struggling she told me with her eyes to stay there and not move and so i didn't and he took the knife and he slit her throat and she just fell Which i literally just got goosebumps yeah like I said, I can only imagine how hard and traumatic it had to be for this like young child mm-hmm. to relive all of the pain and heartbreak. But in the end, her testimony was a crucial piece in Tommy Lynn Sell's conviction. He was found guilty and he was sentenced to death. Shit. Yeah. Now, you would think this was the end, mm. right? It is not. Wrong. It's not. Great. It's not even close. So during his time on death row, he confessed to a bunch of other crimes, which 
sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, he confessed to the murder of 10-year-old Joel Harper, whose mother was actually in prison at the time for the murder of her son. But she'd always maintained her innocence and said that a man had come into the home, had attacked her son, and then she heard a noise and fought with the attacker. But police ended up arresting her and she was convicted. She was later freed in 2006 oh, because fuck. the evidence did actually point to Tommy Lynn with his confession. Because yeah. we've seen a lot. There are also many, I mean, legit serial killers out there who confess to crimes that they have mm-hmm. not done just yeah. for the sake of like for notoriety po- or yeah, whatever. Po- popularity and yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Or prison cred. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, he was telling the truth. There are some that you're like, okay. But yeah. in this case, he was telling the truth. He also confessed to strangling nine-year-old Mary Beatrice Perez in 1999 in Bexar County. So we've got two there. Yeah. Then on April 3rd, 2014, remember he was convicted in like 2000, mm-hmm. I guess at this point, 2001. Yeah. 2014, he was executed by lethal injection at the Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville. The Harris family, the Perez family of that little nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. And Crystal Searles all attended the execution. I would too. He declined to make a final statement, which is fucking typical. Yeah. I was like, I want to see this guy die. Yeah. I want Goodbye. to attend. Fuck you. See you later. See you never. No. Goodbye. Let's talk about the horrific crimes that Tommy Lynn Sells committed before the tragic events that had taken place on New Year's Day in 1999 or 2000, technically. Mm. On May 13th, so I'm going to go, a li- it's going to be a little bit confusing, so just bear with me because I will kind of jump okay. around on the timeline. Why? Okay. S- okay. <laughs> it's not It's not super clear why I do it. I just did it because some of them kind of, Okay. Me- he was in why? the area, Okay. and then I kind of go back. Oh, okay. So this one took place, so it's May 13th, 1992. It's about seven years before New Year's Day, the event mm-hmm. that took place. Um, I believe it's pronounced Fabian. Okay. It's the name or of Fabian. the child. Name of a woman. A woman. I'm going to say Fabian. And I truly, truly apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Well, you know. So Fabian Witherspoon was a 19-year-old woman from Charleston, West Virginia. And she was driving down the road when she saw a man stranded on the uh, under an overpass. Mm-hmm. He was holding a sign that said, I will work for food. So she felt really bad for the guy, which I mean good for you but mm-hmm. i mean i feel bad for people with signs but as a single woman yeah no i will keep driving mm-hmm. unless i can give something but i'm not taking anybody anywhere there was a hitchhiker on the um where was i going anyways i was going towards my parents house yeah and there was a hitchhiker man he looked very sketchy and there's he was always just... one by the exit for fairview okay. like the saint jean exit and then i find there's always one near my house because I'm one of the exits closer to, like, on your way mm-hmm. to Ontario. Yeah. So there's a bus station that drops mm-hmm. you off at the Petro, like, the gas station. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people try to hitchhike into Montreal, I guess. But it was on the, it was the on-ramp. Like, so how do you want someone to stop? It was Because they expect, because you're going on the highway, then you can just take them with you. And it's like, no. Yes, but if you're stopping, like, he's in the middle. I don't know. I just thought it was a weird placement. No one stopped. No. Well, I left. So I don't know, but. Anyways, continue. So she felt bad and she did stop and she took him home, but she asked him to wait outside because essentially she was going to get him some money and some food okay, so that he could go on his way. 
But when she turned around, he had followed her into the house. Well, that's terrifying. He took a knife from her kitchen and trapped her in the bathroom and attempted to assault her. But she's a badass and fought back. She hit him in the head with a ceramic duck figure yeah, from her bathroom. Yeah. And she beat him in the head with it. Good. Good for her. Yeah. You don't um, fucking come in my house, bitch. What do you think you're doing? Yeah. That's not it. She also got control of the knife and stabbed him. She nicked his kidney and his liver. Good. This is why I think, no, not always, but like if someone were to come into my house and do anything, like I know weapons around, like I will grab a crystal and knock you the fuck out Yeah. if I can. Yeah. Like I feel like you know your surroundings, you know, like yeah. even like especially in the dark, bitch, like if someone were to break into my house, in my apartment, I would not turn on the lights. I no. can navigate in the dark in my own place. Yes. You cannot. No, I can do it blindfolded. Also, I have a ninja cat who will most likely take you yes my dog won't she'll go with you (laughs) yeah so milo will take no fuck like he will he'll probably escape actually like he'll probably try to run out of the apartment but if you are in here with him he will he will attack yeah he attack he will draw blood yeah he will (laughs) unfortunately all the time yeah uh, she, sorry, I forgot to say this as well before we got into it. Mm-hmm. She also sliced his testicle. <laughs> oh. So, Good fuck for her. you. Yeah, fuck you, sir. Um, however, in retaliation, he did beat her over the head with a... One, she had a piano in her place, and he beat her over the head with the stool oh, from the God, piano. Not the piano. piano. No, I was like, no, no, damn, no. this is a strong man. He tried to escape, but his injuries were obviously too severe. Like I said, he had a nicked kidney and liver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did end up in the hospital and was arrested. Mm-hmm. She had sus- blah, 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 blah. she had sustained significant injuries as well, but was ultimately okay, mm-hmm. in, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, after the attack, he took a plea deal on a malicious wounding charges only. So he, wh- I don't know what the fuck that means, but he only served five years in prison oh shit that's it it's kind of annoying too because if like he would have gotten a longer sentence like a proper sentence he wouldn't have he yeah, wouldn't have committed 1992 yeah he would have not committed all the other shit yeah i mean he committed quite a bit before that oh shit yeah oh yeah we're not going in chronological no, order this oh. was just like the right before okay. kind of thing so while he was in prison, he married a woman named Nora Price. Um, then he was released in 1997, and he moved to Tennessee with her. Mm. But he left her within, like, a few months and continued, like, his drifter lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's not super significant because she does not pop up again, but just yeah, worth mentioning, I guess. But Fabian Witherspoon and Katie Harris were not the only victims of Tommy Lynn Sells. Police believe that he had murdered at least 22 fucking people <gasps> holy shit i mean i understand laptop i was shook too but please refrain a retired texas ranger john allen believed that there are many many more mm-hmm. but we'll never know the exact number or who because he was obviously executed in 2014 yeah. um but the ones that we do know have either been confirmed by tommy or his dna kind of thing fuck so Tommy claimed that he committed his first murder at age 15 in Mississippi uh, after breaking into someone's home. He said that when he entered the home, he saw a man, like a grown man, assaulting a young boy. So he killed the man in a fit of rage. This murder has not been confirmed, Mm -hmm. but 
he did say he did confess i guess Mm -hmm. he also claimed that in 1980 he killed a man with an ice pick somewhere in la this also wasn't confirmed okay however the following murders that i will mention have been confirmed Mm. so now now we're going in chronological order so you don't have to look back on it perfect so on July 5th, 1979, in Port Gibson, Mississippi, John Cade, who was 39 years old, was killed with a 32 caliber pistol during a home invasion okay. by Tommy. Mm-hmm. On April 27th, 1982, in Little Rock, Arkansas, Joanne Tate, who was 35 years old at the time, was murdered in her St. Louis home. Her daughter, Melissa, who was seven at the time, she was assaulted in the attack as well, but she had previously identified another man as the killer. But after seeing her mom's case on Crime Watch Daily when she was older years later, she realized it was actually Tommy Lynn Sells. Oh, shit. So then, after mm-hmm. Tommy also confessed to it, that mm-hmm. man was later released from prison. We okay. don't know. We don't know his name. On July 31st, 1983, in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, four-year-old Tiffany and 33-year-old Colleen Gill were found dead in their home. They were murdered with a blunt weapon and had been beaten to death. On July 26, 1985, in Springfield, Missouri, 21-year-old Tommy was working at Forsyth Missouri Carnival, I believe is how you pronounce it, okay. where he met Edna Court, who was 28. Edna Mode. Edna Mode. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So Edna had a four-year-old son that she lived with. Edna had invited Tommy to come over, and according to him, Tommy, they had sex consensually. Mm. I don't know if I believe that. And then fell asleep. When he woke up, he saw that she was stealing from his bag, so he beat her to death with her son's baseball bat, and then he murdered her four-year-old son so that there were no witnesses. Mm-hmm. He also beat the son to death as well. I don't believe the stealing from I don't believe that his either. bag, and I don't believe it was consensual, so. No. On May 1st, 1987, in Lockport, uh, 27-year-old Suzanne Court, I believe, or Korch, Mm -hmm. disappeared after leaving uh, a nightclub alone. Her body was found on September 1st, and her cause of death is unknown due to decomposition. She wasn't found for a while. Okay. This was obviously Mm -hmm. Tommy as well. On October 15th, 1987, so only a few months later, in Lovelock, Nevada, 21-year-old Stephanie Kelly Stroh was last seen at the four-way cafe. He said that he picked her up while she was hitchhiking. They took some LSD together, and then he strangled her, covered her body with concrete, and dumped her into a hot spring. What the fuck? Her body was never found. Well, so. Yeah. On November 17th, 1987, so like a month later, in Ina, Illinois, I believe it's pronounced, mm-hmm. Tommy confessed to the murders of four family members. He was picked up by 29-year-old Keith Dardine, who had brought him home for dinner because he felt bad for him, mm-hmm. decided to give him a, a home-cooked meal. After arriving, Tommy pulled out a gun and shot Keith in the head twice. He beat Keith's three-year-old son, Peter, to death, and he attacked Keith's 30-year-old pregnant wife, Elaine. She went into labor while being beaten to death and gave birth while it was happening. The she gave birth to a daughter whose name was supposed to be Casey. Tommy beat the newborn to death as well before mutilating Elaine's body and sexually assaulting her after she passed away. 
I don't even know what to say. I, like, could cry. <sighs> On December 18th, 1988, in Tucson, Arizona, 51-year-old Kent Allen Luton, I believe it's pronounced, was stabbed and buried in a shallow grave near a homeless camp. Tommy murdered him because Kent refused to pay for drugs. Well, so... I think this you guy. literally can blink at him and he'll find yeah, a reason. I yeah. feel like he was just a very angry man. Very troubled. Yeah. On December 9th, 1991, in Mariana, Florida, 25-year-old Teresa Hall and her 5-year-old daughter Tiffany were beaten to death with the wooden leg from their kitchen table. Holy fuck. On October 13th, 1997, in Lawrenceville, Illinois, 10-year-old Joel, who I had mentioned before, was stabbed to death in his bedroom while he was sleeping. That was the case where his mother had fought off the attacker and then she ended up going to prison for it. Mm -hmm. This was this case. On October 15th, 1997, in Springfield, Missouri. So as you can see, there was a jump from mm -hmm. 91 to 97 because in 92, he attacked Fabian Witherspoon. Yeah. And okay. then he went to prison for five years. Ah, Immediately after getting out of prison in 97, he murdered 10-year-old Joel. Okay. And then that's why he confessed to that murder as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so on October 15, 1997, in Springfield, Missouri, 13-year-old Stephanie Mahaney was found in a farm pond. Tommy claims that he took her from her bed in the middle of the night, drove her to a field, injected her with cocaine, raped her, and strangled her to death. On December 14th, 1997, in Las Vegas, Nevada, 19-year-old Yvette Sophia Mueller was last seen in an RV park. Tommy claims that he raped and killed a blonde woman in Vegas and chopped up her body and buried her next to Snake River, but the body has never been found due to a landslide in the area. Police are pretty confident that the blonde woman that he's talking about is Yvette Sof Sophia Mueller, excuse mm. me, because of the description they match. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she's never been found either. On April 15th, 1998, in San Antonio, Texas, 40-year-old carnival worker Thomas Bros was shot to death in his motor home. He was last seen with a man matching Tommy's description. Tommy originally confessed to this crime, but they like later recanted it, which just doesn't yeah, make why? sense. But anyways... On April 4th, 1999, in Gibson, Tennessee, 31-year-old Deborah Harris and her 8-year-old... So Harris, I know, is also the name of Katie's mm -hmm. family. This is not related. 31-year-old okay. Deborah Harris and her 8-year-old daughter, Ambria, were both murdered after Tommy broke into their home at night and then had raped Deborah, the mom. Mm. She was repeatedly stabbed, as was her daughter, after she had witnessed Tommy attacking her mom. Only two weeks later, on April 18th, 1999, in San Antonio, Texas, so Tennessee, Texas, mm -hmm. nine-year-old Mary Beatrice Perez, who was the other child I had mentioned earlier, was kidnapped from a market festival, driven to a stockyard, raped, and strangled to death with her own t-shirt. Fuck. On May 23rd, 1999, in Lexington, Kentucky, 13-year-old Haley McCone was kidnapped from a swing at a park, dragged into a wooded area, and raped. She was also strangled to death with her own t-shirt. On July 5th, 1999, in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, 14-year-old Bobby Lynn Woford was picked up from a convenience store by Tommy, who then drove her to a secluded area, raped her, and stabbed her repeatedly. 
He also shot her in the head with a large caliber revolver when she tried to escape. Fuck. So the poor 14-year-old had been stabbed and assaulted mm-hmm. and, like, still had the courage and energy to, like, run away. Yeah. And then he shot her. His last horrific murder was that of 13-year-old Katie Harris in Del Rio, Texas on New Year's Day 2000. Or New Year's Eve 1999. Mm-hmm. Today, Crystal Searles has healed from her wounds, both physical and psychological. So for a young girl to go through such a traumatic experience like that will obviously have a lifelong lasting effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but Crystal said in an interview, I don't ever think about Tommy Lynn cells. I don't ever give him the time of, time of day. He's dead to me. And also to the world because he I was mean, executed in yeah, 2014. Quite literally. And that is the terrifying and horrifying case of how 10-year-old Crystal Searles escaped serial killer Tommy Lynn Sells, who killed yeah. at least 22 people from 1979 to 1999. Can you imagine being 10 years old and bringing down a serial killer who killed that yeah, many people no, fucking, over the past 20 years? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. That was... That was a lot, and I'm really sorry. Uh, I mean, I'm just happy it's a solved case, because I fucking hate when you do unsolved. Yeah. So I appreciate it that the guy was caught. Yeah. You know? And fuck. Yeah. Well done, friend. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it was going to be like a recent case when you said like you saw it on TikTok. I'm like, oh shit, something happened like recently. No, no, not that recent. But i've never heard about this case actually either and i i've never heard of this name before for someone to kill 22 people yeah like i'm very invested in true crime and i've I've seen a lot heard of this yeah fuck like while i was reading i was like no maybe something will like pop up and i'll go oh yeah yeah nothing no like every single turn i was like what the fuck what the fuck yeah wow it's fucking crazy it is crazy it's really sad i know the poor pregnant woman i know it reminded me of the um that famous uh tate sharon tate yeah yeah the uh charles charles, charles manson. manson yeah that, that get, I, fucked. yeah i don't even i don't like uh i like like i like serial killers no wait woo i like learning about serial killers yeah. sorry he's always really freaked me out but he i don't know i can't because uh, he didn't actually commit them no that's why it really really scares me the power you can have over over people and the brainwashing because they were all yeah on drugs yeah right? it's fucking sad yeah but i mean i i don't want to say if you liked this episode but if you enjoyed this episode mm-hmm. please subscribe like wherever you are listening leave a comment leave a review if yeah. you can mm-hmm. we'd really appreciate it yeah tell, tell your you, friends tell your family tell your co-workers tell the person on the street tell the person sitting next to you on the bus go yeah. hey look at this check it out yeah you can follow us on instagram at murders and martinis podcast or facebook at mnm true crime podcast uh and also on tiktok at murders and martinis mm-hmm. i will link all of it in the show notes below so don't worry So with that, stay safe. And stay spooky. Doo-doo-doo.